Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. So after Erica's message last week, I just sort of assumed that this might be a one-hour roast in return. So uh, be prepared, Erica. Where am I going to put that? I'm going to put that there. No, not really. First thing I want to say to you guys is one minute 16 in a rowing machine. One minute 16 and a rowing machine. I'm not sure. I might have shared this story with a few of you guys before. One minute thing. Rachel's just going, yep. She's like, she's my harshest critic, my sister. One minute 16 and a rowing machine. When I was in Adelaide, one of my most enjoyable memories uh, centred around this, this time frame of one minute 16 on a rowing machine. And the way it began was the firefighters over there, and it was my job, I used to go around all the different fire stations over there, all 20 fire stations, and I used to help with the gym programs, the strength and conditioning programs with it. Sounds really impressive, except most of the firefighters were sort of like almost retired, like they were more over the age of 55 than under the age of 30, so mostly it was just trying to keep them on their feet as opposed to doing anything too exciting with them. But there was a new wave of firefighters coming through, and they were all highly athletic, highly competitive, super ambitious, and so we used to have a lot of fun together. But one of the things that we did was, um, one of the frequent ways we did our conditioning work was on the rowing machine in all the gyms. And so all of a sudden this little challenge started and it sort of spread like wildfire. And this challenge was the 1 minute 16 rowing challenge. And the way it began was that some of the new recruits, they were sick of the conditioning work that I was putting them through, so they looked at what the world record for a 500 metre row was. And they found that it was 1 minute 16. Like, it turns out it's much faster than that. But anyway, that was the number that they found. So then they decided to reverse engineer it. So they put 1 minute 16 onto the rowing machine. And then the challenge was to see how close you could get to it, how many metres you could get before your time ran out. And I love this challenge because no matter where I went, no matter what I had planned for the day, the day would inevitably start with the station trying to beat the 1 minute 16 rowing challenge. And it always start with this super competitiveness and this desire just to do better. But what I really loved about it, though, was the energy and the encouragement that went with it. Okay, a little bit of context, a little bit of backstory, I suppose. I love being around the footy club, the soccer club. I love being in the locker rooms. I love being around young men. And I love it because of the way that encouragement and energy just becomes contagious in those places. And so we'd gather around these rowing machines and it would just be electric. All the boys would, would gather around and they'd be cheering them on and then there's all the cliches like, come, come on, put the work in, let's go, let's go, let's do it. And then, you know, as soon as they got past the halfway mark, inevitably everyone starts yelling, it's downhill from here, it's downhill from here. And then, you know, they're just pushing and they're striving and they're working hard. And it's just amazing. And like I remember, because um, I used to do some stuff with the recruit schools, and I remember uh, after the end of the 16-week block to be able to fully qualify, one of the tests that they had to pass is a beep test. So they had to get to 9.6. And for most of the athletic people, like that's fairly comfortable. But there's always one or two that really struggle with it. And I've got these strong, clear, distinct memories of like uh, the entire squad just getting around that one guy who's touch and go if he's going to pass or not, and then running in front to be able to create a slipstream, which means they've got to run an extra like five metres at each head. And just the entire way, just cheering him on, and like finally just getting over the line and just passing and just collapsing in that 9.6. But coming back to that one minute 16 rowing challenge, I want to share one particular part of the story, which Rachel is going to um, criticise me again because I've shared it before. So thank you, Rachel. Um, <laughs> but... So there was this one guy, this huge guy, this like 
when you think of the ideal male body, the ideal male frame, this is this guy. He just had, he hit the genetic lotto, and I'm sure he used a little bit of uh, supplements as well. But um, he was about 110 kilos of just pure muscle. Like, he was just ripped. He was just strong. He was athletic. He was fast. He could do, he could do it all physically. Like, I remember seeing him bench press 160 kilos. Like, that's just phenomenal. Like, I remember him just being able to just, like, outperform everybody else in the room. And so, sure enough, I rock up to the Port Adelaide fire station one morning, and he's there, and obviously, his name's Evan, so, you know, naturally, I call him Big Ev, <laughs> you know? Makes sense. Everyone else calls him Tiny, but uh, I called him Big Ev. So, Big Ev, what's going on? He's like, oh, Jono, what's the current record for the one-minute 16 rowing challenge? And I'd be like, oh, Big Ev, you won't, you won't believe it. One of the new recruits just beat your record of 470 metres. He got 480 metres. He's like, nah, not on, not on my watch, he says. <laughs> and so he starts working himself up to do it. And then he goes, like, he, he like, um, intensifies what he wants to do. He's like, John, I, this morning, not only, this is a 100% true story, by the way, not only am I going to beat that record this morning, John, but I'm going to do it three times in 10 minutes. <laughs> And I was just like, sure you are, Big F, sure you are. <laughs> so sure enough, he gets onto the rowing machine, does his big warm-up, you know, oils up his biceps or whatever else he does, and he starts just pounding it, and he starts going, and the rowing machine's literally rocking, like it looks like it's about to snap, it looks like it's about to break. And the rest of the firefighters from the station come and get round him, and sure enough, they're encouraging him, they're urging him on. They're going, come on, Big F, let's go, let's go! Like, you know what they're like. Sorry if that's too loud for you. Um, but they're just getting around him, and they're, they're fueling him up. And what I love about encouragement is, is that it always makes you be able to do a little bit more. Like that little voice that's inside of you, which says, I'm not enough, which says, I can't do it, which says, I need to quit here, like this is my end. Encouragement always helps you go that extra 10%, doesn't it? So they're, they're here, they're, they're getting around him, they're pushing him hard, they're pushing him hard, and he smashes it, and he gets to the end, and he gets like 490 metres, which is the new record. So we're all erupting, yeah, big F! And, but remember, he said he was going to do it three times in 10 minutes. <laughs> so he sort of like rolls off the rowing machine, and he collapses onto the floor. And he goes, oh, Jono, I'm not good. I'm like, oh, big F, just... Take a breather, mate. Like, if you get a fire call right now, like, you're, you're no good. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> and he goes inside, and sort of like three minutes pass, four minutes pass, and all the boys realise, oh, where's Big Ev gone? And so they go looking for him, but classic firefighters, instead of going, Big Ev, you all right? They're like, Tiny, where are you, mate? Oh, Tiny. <laughs> they go searching for him like this. And poor old Big Ev is there, laid out, sprawled out on the floor of the shower, just with cold water running on him, just going in and out of sleep. <laughs> it was an absolute mess. But, even though that was a sad ending to the story, <laughs> I just love that story because it reminds me of what we can do when people encourage us. And it, there was that energy and there was that momentum to the morning. And I just love those environments where there's just this infectious energy which just pushes us on to strive to be able to do more. It's why I still love getting down to the soccer club and being around the team, even though obviously I'm injured at the moment. It's why I love getting to the footy club. It's why I love hanging out with youth because when you get them going, they've got this tremendous energy and it's just amazing to see what happens when they're then encouraged. And I share these, this silly story with you, I suppose, this morning because it touches on what I want to speak to you about from our, as we wrap up our series in Colossians. Because as we enter the last part of this letter that Paul wrote, 
as we finish off our series about how we try and figure it out, Paul gives us an instruction, or he gives the Colossians an instruction, which is then also applicable for us. But Paul gives this instruction to them to be able to pass it on, to be able to pass on what they have received. But then he goes on to make this um, a great effort to make sure that they feel encouraged to be able to do so. Because he knows that if they aren't first encouraged, they've got no chance to be able to pass it on. And to be quite frank, maybe we wouldn't be here in this room worshipping God today had they not been encouraged. But before we get to the encouragement part, let's just set the context for what Paul said. So we're going to, if you've got your Bibles there, we're opening up to Colossians um, towards the end there, chapter 4, verse 2 to 6. It'll be on the screen and I'll read it out as well. But we might just pause for a second and I might just pray as well, if that's okay. Heavenly Father, just thank you so much for this morning. Thank you that we can gather together as a community and that we can have great fun. I just thank you for joy this morning. And I just pray for each and every single one of us that we may all receive something from you this morning that helps us in our day-to-day walk, that we may leave here this morning not just having had a great morning, which no doubt we will, but having something deposited in us that sets us up for future success. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So let's read this. So, uh, Paul writing to this community in, Colossian, in Colossae, he writes this, he says, Devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. So clearly, backstory, Paul's in jail, he's in prison, he's under um, imprisonment as he writes these letters. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. I love this line here. I could easily just preach on this next sentence for like a month, I reckon. Let your conversation be always full of grace and seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Pretty amazing. So what Paul's essentially saying here, and then he goes on at the end of the, the very end of the letter, he says to pass on this letter to a nearby community and receive the letter that I've sent them in return. Essentially what he's saying is, all of this richness which we've spent the last eight weeks pouring over, all of this instruction to be able to help you to figure it out so that you can have that healthier life that you're seeking, those healthier relationships, that healthier sense of self, all those types of things, all of that richness that comes with our faith, all that you've received, will you now go and pass it on to someone else? And that's what he's saying here. But what I feel burdened to talk about this morning is, is that when we talk about passing it on, when we talk about passing on what we've received and what we've found in the faith and what we've found through, the, through Jesus, often we use that word evangelism. I feel burdened because so often when we come to church and we hear these sorts of messages, it feels like as if there's a tiredness that's in the room. It feels like there's a, uh, there's, we feel fatigued and we feel worn out. And I think that that reaction is really indicative and it says something about what's going on inside of us. I think it's quite diagnostic, actually. I think it reveals part of the complex, part of the, the issues that we carry inside of us. I think we seem to think to be able to pass it on that we have to work ourselves up into a fever, <laughs> right? That we have to go and hear the most rousing sermon, that we have to go to the conference and get up on that high again, that we have to, you know, be in the locker room and have all the boys around you just cheering you on for you to be able to go and share and pass on what we have received. You know, I think of like the rugby with the 
the All Blacks, how they worked themselves up by doing the haka beforehand. I think that when we think of evangelism, when we think about passing it on, when we think about sharing the true richness of our faith with other people, we think that we have to come to this level of emotional intensity. And so we hear this instruction, like what Paul is clearly saying to us this morning, to pass it on. So we hear this instruction to do so, and we just can't be bothered reaching that emotional intensity again. Like how many times can you hit 10 on the emotional scale? And that's what I feel burdened to talk about this morning. Because I don't think it's supposed to be that way. I really don't. I don't think that we're supposed to have to work ourselves up into that emotional intensity zone, into that red light zone, if you know what I mean, just to be able to share and pass on what we have. I think we've been robbed. And I think unless we solve that inner dilemma that's inside of us, I think the world is robbed as well. I truly mean that because what I think is, I think there are two types of encouragement. I think there's the encouragement like what I described in that scene earlier where it's full of energy, it's like this dose of adrenaline, it's like this absolute hit that just shocks you and just pushes you onto something great, but it's only temporary. It doesn't last very long and it takes its toll. But there's another type of encouragement which I think is what Paul is getting at later on in this letter which we're going to share together in a moment. I think there's a type of encouragement which is one where it's encouraging of the heart where it's a building up of a person, where it's laying down the foundations and laying down the structures so that we can then go forward and build upon it with our lives. Like I often think about kids in this sort of sense, like when you encourage a child or a, or a youth, when you share an, a word of encouragement with them, you're not just trying to you know, get them all hype, <laughs> but there's something that's deep that gets rooted inside of them where you're building into their heart. I think that's the kind of encouragement that Paul is talking about here. So let's, let's move on to that. So the next bit of the verse that I want to share is from verse 7 to 9. It says this. Paul writes, Tychicus, I'm going to call him Tiki. I'm going to just butcher that name so many times if we, if we keep it like that. Tiki, Tiki will tell you the news about thee. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. I'm sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, one who, who is one of you. Sorry, I started reading ahead. And as soon as you start reading ahead, you just butcher it, don't you? Classic. That will tell you everything that is happening here. It's pretty cool. But Paul goes through a lot of effort, even though it doesn't look like there's that much in that. There's so much richness that's in those few lines that are just there. And Paul goes to great length and great personal cost to make sure that the Colossians feel encouraged so that they can then go on and pass on this message, pass on this way of life, pass on some of those secret ingredients as people try to figure it out. The first thing that he does here is that he actually uses this literature type of technique called it chiasmus, again, another word I don't know how to pronounce, and I'm not smart enough to be able to identify this, but I am smart enough to read from a lot of different sources, so then I come across gold nuggets like this one, so then I can share it with you guys. <laughs> Makes me look good. Um, but what it is, is that when you've got two similar ideas, two parallel ideas, but what you do is you invert them, and then you put your central theme right in the middle, and what it does is it helps the reader locate what the principal theme is, what the principal idea of it is. So if we go to the next slide there, Georgia, thank you, and I'll show you what I mean. So there's two repetitive sort of thoughts through here, 
and they're designated by, so A and A go together, B and B go together, C and C go together, but then D is the odd one out. And because D is set the, the crux of it, at the centre of it, it makes it really easy, easy for us to be able to identify what Paul is trying to highlight here. So again, let's read that bit. Tiki will tell you all the news about me. He's a dear brother, a faithful minister and fellow servant of the Lord. I'm sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances. And then here's the central theme of it, and that he may encourage your hearts. And then we see the repetition of it. He's coming with one Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, one who is of you, and they will tell you everything that is happening here. Paul's gone on to effort as he described this letter to the Colossians to highlight and make sure that we don't miss and pass over what was central to his message. And that is, is that he wants to encourage the heart because he knows that without encouraging the heart first and building up of the heart first, we, we choose not to participate in passing it on. But Paul doesn't stop there with this. and In fact, he actually puts like a, a full stop and an exclamation mark and he highlights it because what he does next really just, you know, intensifies this message. It's who he sends to, to deliver the message to the Colossians that makes the difference in this. It's who he sends. So Tiki, <laughs> I love that name. So Tiki, who delivers this message, he was from Asia. He wasn't one of the in crowd. He wasn't one of the Jews. He wasn't one of the, the guys in Jerusalem. He wasn't one of the big, the powerful, the ministers. He didn't hold a position. He wasn't skilled. He wasn't anything like that. And yet Paul has chosen that he's the one that's to deliver the message to encourage their hearts. And so then this, this community in Asia, this community called Colossae, they receive this letter and they receive all of this richness and then they come to this part which is pass it on and no doubt they've got hesitations just like what you've got a hesitation to pass it on. And then they read, but be encouraged, let your heart be encouraged. And then the man that's delivering the message is this guy that's supposedly not part of the cool crowd. He's not a minister, he's not a pastor, he's not a religious teacher, he's not on a huge salary, he's not part of the cool crowd in Jerusalem, he's a local, he's a local that's returned home to deliver the message. Paul's saying to them that the ordinary man is qualified for this, that you are enough. But then the next person in this story here, in this letter, sorry, Onesimus, this is the part that I truly love. This is the part that gets me really excited. You see, when Paul wrote this letter to the Colossians, he also wrote a second letter at the exact same time and it went with the same party and was delivered at the same time. And that second letter was the letter of Philemon. And in it, there's this amazing we hear a couple of verses where we hear some of the backstory about Onesimus. And what we find out is that he was actually a slave. And he ran away from his master... And he ran all the way to, to Rome. And then somehow in Rome, in one of the biggest cities in the ancient world, he's come face to face with Paul and he's had his life transformed. And this slave has then been sent and, and commissioned with this letter to return back to the city that he fled from, back to his master whom he fled from, to deliver this gospel of grace these instructions and this richness to be able to help us to figure it out. But in the letter to Philemon, Paul makes this famous statement about this man and he says, he gives him this moniker that's associated with his name. He says that you were formerly useless, but he's become useful. From useless to useful. From useless 
to useful. It's powerful. It's powerful. And what we see from this and what um, from these verses and what we gather about Onesimus and Tiki is that they didn't become useful because of their position or because of their skill or because of anything like that. Instead, when we search the text here and when we understand why they became useful, look at the criteria that Paul spelled out to be able to qualify them for this mission to be able to pass it on. He said, my dear brother. And when he said the word minister here, he's not talking about like a religious minister like what we think of today. He's just thinking about somebody that just loves God and just serves people. Servant in the Lord. What he's talking about here is who they've become. He's talking about the transformation, the character transformation that has occurred within them and how that is what has made them useful. I love this. When Eastmas went from useless to useful through who he became. Useless to useful through who he became. What I love about this, though, imagine that you're one of those Colossians. Let's just take a step back. Let's just imagine we're there. Put our 2,000-year-old minds on. We're there. We've just received this amazing letter which gives us a pathway to so much richness in our life. And, you know, we're all gathered here today because we're either searching for it or we've at least partially found something in there. And then they come to this instruction to be able to pass it on and no doubt they've got those same hesitations that you and I have, which I feel burdened to speak about today. And then Paul makes this great effort to be able to encourage them. Imagine being these guys here in Colossae. They've read this letter. They think, I'm not good enough. I'm not qualified to be able to pass it on. I don't know everything. I don't have it all figured out. My life is still a mess. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Just like how you might be feeling that way. And yet the very man that's delivering the, the message to you is a runaway slave who's gone from useless to useful because of who he's become. And it was because of who he's become. It's simply that spiritual maturity that we've been talking about as we try to walk alongside of Jesus. Jesus does something incredible inside of us. He transforms us in Christ inside of us. It's what becomes so valuable. It's what qualifies us. It's what makes you enough. It's that inner voice that's inside of you which says, I'm not enough, I'm not qualified, I'm not able to, I'm not skilled enough. It's not like that at all. Paul would say to you to be encouraged in your heart. Take encouragement in your heart. Let let that foundation go deep within you. Let this not just be a momentary passing which gets you all excited and hyped up and have an emotional intensity about you. But let there be something in your soul. Let there be something deep inside of you be transformed and built upon as you read this and as you understand that we go from useless to useful through who we become. And this story of Onesimus, is that not the story of all of us though? Think about it. A slave runs away and all of a sudden he finds a saviour who redeems him and offers to pay his price to the master so that he may be a freed man. And this saviour then invests in, redeems, trains this young man to then be able to be sent back to be able to pass on the message. You and I are Onesimus. That is who we are. 
So if you do feel like one Easterness this morning, if you do feel like as if you are unqualified for the job to pass it on, God says to you, take encouragement this morning. But if you do feel like that's you, here's what I feel like God's asking you to do. It's really simple. I feel like God would ask you to identify one person in your world and simply just draw near to them. That's it. Just draw near to them. Just for the next two months, make it a goal of you and your family to draw nearer to somebody, to share what's in your hand. It might not feel like much. Time, talent, treasure. might not feel like you've got the skills to be able to express the gospel. might feel like you don't have um, the courage to be able to extend the invitation. In all those moments where we feel we're not enough, God says that we've become, gone from useless to useful for who we've become because what we have to understand is that it's not about us. It's not us. It's not you. It's not me. It's not us that makes us useful, but rather it's Christ and his work that's going on deep inside of us. It's the maturity that's taking place and the transformation that's taking place that does so. And so I think God would ask you, is there, can you identify, can you be intentional? Is there one person in your life that you're willing to just draw nearer to? Just draw near to. And just draw near to, just share life with, and you'll be amazed at what comes up. You'll be amazed as people start to share some of their hurts and pains. And all you have to do is listen. <laughs> you'll be surprised at how all of a sudden a word comes to you and, you just need, and you've got an opportunity to share one of your own experiences or paraphrase a story or a Bible verse or just an invitation. You'll be amazed at what God does because, again, it's Christ at work inside of us that comes through. Can we go back to that very first slide? Thanks, Georgia, I think. Just decided. This one here, with all these rich instructions about how to pass it on, it's all so simple. Like, we could spend a long time on these verses here. Devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful that God may open a door to the message, proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I'm in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should, that I may be wise in the way I act, act towards outsiders and make the most of every opportunity let your conversations be always full of grace and seasoned with salt. There's so much there, but honestly, all of that is redundant if we live in isolation. <laughs> it doesn't matter. And the great amazing thing about the gospel is that it's so simple. It is so simple. It's why we're here today. If it were complex and if it required great skill and great credentials, and if it required you to have it all figured out, church wouldn't exist today. Christianity would have died 2,000 years ago. <laughs> so God would ask of you this morning, would you simply just draw near just one person over the next two months, and you'll be amazed at what happens through you. Kate, you're welcome to come on up. That's fine. Let me close with this thought. Let me ask you this. Are you satisfied with the health of our community? Our wider community, our Launceston community, our Tasmanian community, our Australian community, our worldwide community? Are you satisfied with the health of our community? I ask that because everywhere I go, I always hear so much anxiousness about the issues. I jump on Twitter and it's just a firestorm. I go down to the soccer club and I hear the president scratching his 
head pulling his hair out because he doesn't know how to deal with the youth mental health. I hear people cry about what's happening to children. I hear people at a loss about what to do about this ice epidemic that's causing massive issues. Are you content? Are you satisfied with the health of our community? I ask that because every single movement in history, every single time communities changed in history, it had nothing to do with a platform like this. It had nothing to do with a man like me. 2,000 years ago, Jesus ripped up the script and he changed it forever. And he took the power from the pulpit and he put it in the pews. He took the ability for people to be able to figure it out in life from one central source being the temple and he gave it to the everyday man and he commissioned the everyday man and woman and child and youth and he said, this is in your hands. And he did that because it was the only way to be able to save the world. It was the only way to be able to change our communities. It was the only way for your friends to be able to experience health. And then with the Reformation, that was only accelerated. But if you are anxious about the state of our community and the state of our world, please know that the only solution to it is you. It's us. It's we. We. The pattern of Christ is so clear and it's so simple. And it always starts with proximity. I feel like Christ would say to you this morning that even though you might feel useless, you've become useful simply through who you've become. And so my invitation to us all as a community this morning is will we take up Paul on his words, will we take up the mission of Christ and just share this richness that we've all got? Look, I know that within myself, the richness that I've experienced in Christ and the way that he has transformed my life and the great fruit and the beautiful things that I get to experience in my life. I want that for my friends. And so I want that for those hurting people, for those addicted people, for the homeless people, for the abused people, for the struggling people. We've got so much to share and so much richness to share. Can you imagine what our world would look like if even we just drew near just one person each. And I'm not saying you have to go and lay down the Bible to do a, a four-point servant. I'm just saying just draw near to somebody. Just use whatever is in your hand and whatever is in your heart. Because these guys in Colossae certainly weren't very qualified. But yet Paul commissioned them with a mission. Let me leave you with this today. Let your heart be encouraged because of who you're becoming. Team, uh, is the rest of the team joining you? Why don't you guys come on up and I'll close in prayer. How about that? Why don't we all stand and then we can join in with um, Kate and the team straight after, hey? Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for the wonderful privilege it is to be able to gather around your word. And Father, I thank you for the words of Paul. And I pray that this morning that we might not respond to the message of being able to pass it on in order that others may be able to figure it out. I pray that we might not respond to that message with timidity, with anxiousness, with feelings of being inadequate, but rather we may be encouraged in our hearts and strengthened in our minds 
and that we may understand that our usefulness in doing so is because of who we're becoming, because of Christ at work in us. In Jesus' name, amen.